Welcome to the Momming with Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hargrove. On this show, I help moms discover Jesus in their motherhood. I hope this show encourages you in your mom journey. Enjoy the message. Today's message is titled Deeper Intimacy with God. Ah, deeper intimacy with God, right? And I'm sure all of us here, we are on our own journey. We are on our own journey when it comes to our connection with God, spirituality, and that we're right where we are. There is no perfect placement. There is no where in our journey that we're supposed to be, should have been, would have been. But right now in the present, all of us are here tonight because we just desire to be closer to God. That's it. Like we just want more of God. And so when I read this um, chapter in Psalms, um, I, it really spoke to me and I've read it several times, but today I was like, man, this is hitting. And I wanted to share it with you. So I'm actually going to start off by sharing Psalms 15, and then we're going to talk more about it. And Psalms 15, it says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right speaking the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts, those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. I mean, I've read this verse a couple of times back as I've read it. Right. Um, and so I feel like the times before that I read it, I was like, oh no, like I have to be like blameless and holy and perfect. And I, or, or else I can't worship the Lord or I can't be in his presence. And I would see that differently than I saw it today. And today I don't see it as this unapproachable way to have deeper intimacy with God. I um, honestly saw it so different as in it is so simple. God is saying, I want to be close to you. I want to have a deeper connection with you as much as we want to with him. And these are some simple things that will only produce good in our lives when we follow it. And, you know, the truth is, is that God loves us each and every one of us here the same. Jesus died on the cross for all of us, knowing that not all of us would end up choosing him. I mean, do you get that? Like, he died on the cross for everyone, but he knew and he took a risk and was willing to die on the cross just in case we chose to love him back. But there was no promises. There was no sin too big, no mistake too grand, no person exempt from his unfailing, never ending love. And as I read this verse above, it really spoke to me and I just had to share it with y'all today. And the first thing that came to mind was this. This is what a deeper intimacy with God looks like. And the truth is we are all welcome in his arms. But if we want to be even closer and more intimate with him, this verse literally leads us down that path. When I read it, I honestly felt a little convicted, truthfully, and encouraged to honor God in these areas of my life even more. I desire to be closer to God, to go into his sanctuary, to enter his presence on his holy hill, to be closer and enjoy a deeper intimacy, intimacy with him. I don't want to just go about life like, yeah, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I want to embrace it. I want to feel it. I want to be with him. 
I don't want to just have it as an idea or a bumper sticker or, you know, a little scripture hanging on my wall. I want to embrace it. And in the same way with the important relationships in our life, whether it's with our spouse or someone close to us, there are ways to enjoy deeper intimacy with them, right? When you first start dating, maybe now your spouse, I mean, what do we usually do? We stop texting other guys. I mean, if I don't know if all of us had all these guys lined up, but you get what I'm saying. We're, we're going to make the decision. Like I'm not going to text anyone else. I'm not going to flirt with anyone else and straight up. I'm not sleeping with anyone else. You begin to choose choosing that person and finding ways to love that person purely and wholly. A relationship, a marriage is sanctifying. You strip away the things of your past, your selfish desires, the things that don't cultivate a healthy relationship, but you begin to do the things that draw y'all closer together to honor and love each other. And so wouldn't it be the same with God? Wouldn't we want to grow closer by leaving behind the things that don't grow our relationship with him and growing in the areas that do in an effort to simply enjoy a close and pure relationship with him? Refraining, um, sorry, this verse showed me a couple of areas that I, I wanted to grow and honor God in, such as it literally spelled it out for me. It talked about holiness living life of holiness. It talked about refraining from gossip and using words, our words for kindness, about speaking the truth, honoring others, integrity, and generosity were just a few things that popped out to me. The verses above literally tell us that if we practice this lifestyle, we will never be shaken. The last part of Psalms 15 says such people will stand firm forever. Such people will stand firm forever. I mean, when the winds and the waves and all of these things come crashing down, it says these people will stand firm forever. Isn't that a promise that you want for your life? That is a bold promise that I want for me and my family. And wouldn't you? And so today we're going to talk about three things. The first one is holiness and integrity. The second one is our words and our company. And the last one is generosity. And so holiness and integrity, and I'm going to start with this verse and in second Timothy's Timothy's second Timothy two, 19 through 26. So it's several verses. It says, but God's truth stands firm, like a foundation stone with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil In a wealthy home, some utensils. In a wealthy home, excuse me, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue a righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Faithfulness, love, and peace. 
Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And the main part of this, these couple of scriptures is just how God is instructing us and encouraging us like run away from evil. (laughs) And when you keep yourselves pure, there are special honorable things that he wants to use you for. And, you know, there are special blessings, rewards, and opportunities when we choose to live a holy life. And holy sounds like an intimidating word, guys. And sometimes it's like, oh, holy, like I'm far from it. You know, people say, if I go into church, I'm going to burn it down. Like, it's not this scary, intimidating word. The truth is, is God and God alone is the only one who is truly, absolutely 100 billion percent holy. Okay. We are striving to be holy, but we will not reach perfect holiness until we meet Jesus face to face and he makes us new and we go into eternity forever with him. Okay. So it's not something we're achieving, but it's something we're aiming for. Does that make sense? We are just trying to please him. We will not be perfect in this pursuit of holiness, but we are trying to live a life that honors him. So when we choose to live a holy life and walk in integrity, there are blessings and rewards. But did you realize that? Nowadays, in my opinion, it is so easy to throw these two important virtues out the window willingly and even unintentionally. Our culture right now cares nothing for holiness and integrity, like at all. Our culture as a whole, right? Not saying us. It is all about pleasing their every desire and taking care of self and caring nothing for others. I mean, what is being preached out there? Don't worry about them, girl. Take care of you. It's all about you. Don't worry about them. What do you? wants selfish and entitled it is rare to find someone who actually keeps their word nowadays and cares to live a moral life and our children are being brought up in this influence they're still learning right from wrong right now and they're being influenced by our culture and that's what it's teaching them they're teaching them it's all about me and what feels good But I love the analogy above in what in the second Timothy that we just read, that if we choose to run from sin, practice integrity and live a clean life, we have the opportunity to be used for special use and purposes. Living a life of holiness and integrity paves the way for God to use you for greater purposes that he actually already planned for you even before you were born. So he has the plan. But us living the life of holiness and integrity opens up the pathway and makes a way for him to do what he already plans. He has great plans and purposes for you. And how do we pave this way from how do we make a way? It's we do this by drawing closer to him, by stripping things from our life that just don't stand in the presence of God. It is not by human effort. Don't get it twisted. It is not by perfection or pure power. It is by the Holy Spirit at work within us. So when we choose to live this life, our kids learn from us. We talked about that last week about how they learn from our example. They learn what holiness looks like. They learn what it means to keep their word even when it hurts. They learn what living a moral and pleasing life is for God. 
They will learn from what we do and not from what we say. So show them. What is a better place to start practicing holiness and integrity, but our home and with our family? What does it look like to keep your word even in your home with your children, with your husband, with your family? That is the place to start. Maybe it's taking them to the park when we said we didn't want to. I mean, you know, and hey, granted, there's times where you're like, hey, you know, we're not going to go after all training or I'm actually really exhausted. I get it. I'm a mom like, hello. But overall, consistently, maybe it's promising movie night on Friday night and choosing to turn down other attempting fun plans because you told your kids this is what we're doing. Maybe it's keeping a promise to yourself in the form of self-care and not giving in to And let me just do all these other things. Maybe it's choosing to go to church as a family when you said you would. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, I don't know. But the Bible says integrity is keeping your promises even when it hurts. How many times do we think of a promise we made and it feels slightly inconvenient or painful in a moment and we easily throw in the towel and say, oh, never mind. I can't come. I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. I mean, it is so easy. We don't even give it a second thought sometimes. But imagine if Jesus did that on the cross, like, eh, I know I said I would, but it's kind of like too much. Like, you know, like this is too much. It is obviously too much, (laughs) but he kept his word knowing the pain before him because here's the key. The end result was worth it. You were worth it. The end result of your commitments and keeping your word is worth it. The end result of you staying loyal to your husband and keeping your word to stay faithful and not commit adultery is keeping your word and the end result is worth it. The end result to loving and taking your kids to church and choosing to be a godly home, the end result is worth it. The end result is worth it being... um, you know, a a trustworthy employee and not giving into gossip and slander in the workplace because the end result is worth it. And the promotion comes to people that are truly acting honorable. I could go on and on, but the end result of you keeping your word is always worth it. And God rewards you because he sees your sacrifice. He sees all that you do, all of your intention. He sees your heart. And it will be worth it. And he rewards those that live a life of holiness and have a life that they choose integrity. And those two things are hard, but it is worth it. And Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So no, none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I mean, that verse sums up what we talked about. You can't earn salvation. You're not perfect. He gave it to you, but then it says you're his masterpiece. It reminds us that, oh, he planned good things long ago before you even had a say in it. He's planned good things for you. And so let's move on to our second point. And that is our words and our company, our words and our company. So let's talk about that. Our words and our family, our words and our, not our family, sorry, our company, it could be your family. Our words and our company have the power to influence our lives. Our words and our company reveal to others who we are, the kind of character and person that we reflect. Our words and our company were represents the God that we serve or don't. Those two things reveal to the world, to those around us, who we are. And when I read Psalms 15, it made it so clear 
that our words should be used for and what it shouldn't be used for. Our words should speak truth, but it should not slander, cast slurs or gossip. But let's all be real today, especially this group of women. I'm sure that all of us, no matter how holy we are, have fallen for these things easily, maybe even today. We are not exempt from slandering and gossiping and running our mouth, okay? We we can easily run our mouth. And I'll be the first to admit it, like, like, okay, like I'll be the first to admit it, right? Um, I wave that a little bit too up in the air, right? But look at what James 3 says. It says, indeed, we all make mistakes. Okay, thank God, right? For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it to set on fire by hell itself. I mean, dude, like this is crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. I'm just imagining it. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. I mean, I feel like that was like a roast, um, but like an encouraging one at the same time. Like it's saying like, hey, we all make mistakes. Okay. It's saying all of us here have a tongue and all of us here cannot control it. It is the one thing that is hard to control. So we're not alone. Okay. But it's also saying like, be careful with how you use your words because it will affect your life, your body. It has the power to destroy, or there's many other verses that talk about our tongue brings life or death. That, that even our tongue, our words can produce life. And so that's a whole nother, you know, that's really a whole nother message, but your words have power for life or death. And that's in Deuteronomy. So our tongue is out of control. It's easy to be loose with our tongue and none of us are exempt from that power, but we all do have the Holy spirit as we ask him in our hearts to help us tame the tongue and use it to speak words of kindness, to refrain from lies, slander, and gossip. And for some reason, gossip can just feel so tempting. Sometimes you hear someone just say something out of nowhere. And it's like, before you even realize it, you're like, oh yeah, I know. And, and then you just start flowing. I mean, am I right? And before you know it, y'all are just going back and forth talking about someone or something. But imagine if we chose to think about that person that is being talked about on the other end and actually cared about them, actually cared about their reputation in their heart, actually cared about Um, what they might feel if they knew someone was talking about them and actually remembered what James said when it says, um, is it not right when, sorry, it says that it is so easier for us to curse others that are made in the image of God. The people that we're talking about or fall into that temptation of gossiping, they were made by God and God loves them. 
whether we like them or not, whether we want to talk about them or not. So what if instead of joining in, we choose to defend and even point something out that is positive about that person in hopes that others would do the same for us? Wouldn't we want others to have our back? Or do we want others to be like, oh, I know she's like so annoying or like, I don't know. So think about this. The company that you keep will either encourage one or the other side of the spectrum. Your group of friends will either be a group of friends that are life-giving and encourage one another and other women and other people, or you might be in a group that you realize right now, like, dang, they do gossip a lot. And if I'm there, I'm going to fall into that. Your friends will influence you to gossip or to speak words of kindness that are pleasing to God. The friends we keep will always influence you and the words we speak will always influence your life. So the friends that we keep matter. The words that we speak matter. So choose your words and friends wisely and see your heavenly father smile down on you when you choose to speak words of life. And so guys, let's end on our last point. Thank you for staying with me, bearing with me as we dissect Psalms 15, but let's end on this last short point, And that is about generosity. In Psalms 15, it talked about generosity. It said that those who lend money without charging, these people are blessed by the Lord. These people are honoring God. And so let's talk about that. It says God himself is the essence of generosity. If you think about it, he gave it all for us. He never held anything back for us. He gave his son. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm sure you can't imagine what that would feel like being a parent. He give, gave his son, his love, his wisdom, his help, his grace, everything we need, he has provided. And when we practice generosity in the same way, it draws us closer to the beat of his heart. We become more and more like him and we feel that much closer to who he is. But why is it so hard for us to be generous sometimes? Whether it's giving, helping those in need, whether it's tithing, whatever it looks like, why is it hard for us as humans? It's always because we first look at ourselves to analyze what we think we don't have. And then we decide we can't be generous. I, I can't because I need this. So I can't give to this man who needs new shoes. I can't give to this little girl. I, don't, I can't give to this. I don't know, whatever our giving looks like, right? Because I need this, but generosity actually works in the opposite way. It looks like looking outside and seeing others' needs and providing it and trusting that God, being mighty and powerful as he is, that he will provide your needs. Look at what these two verses says in Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, it says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, so that's first, will themselves be refreshed. When we choose to refresh others, not looking at our own need, not looking at ourselves, but refreshing others, God will ensure that we are refreshed. In Philippians 4:19 it says, "And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus." That he's going to supply your needs and how is it given by Jesus Christ himself? He will provide your needs. Withholding our generosity when we feel compelled to give will lead to a heart of greed. That heart of greed will only grow and greed comes from a place of fear. We are afraid of lack, maybe because we grew up with lack, we had financial struggles, or it's just what we learned. 
but greed is birth from fear and lack of faith. I don't think any of us here are actually greedy, but we will begin to act greedy when we are working out of fear. When we begin to learn and experience God's provision and understand that it's from him that we have all things, he is the one who sees our needs and will provide if we simply put our trust in him then we will begin to let go of those fears. When we let go of those fears and begin practicing generosity, which is something close to his heart, our faith and our trust in him and his ability to provide will only grow. So I dare you to ask God this week, how can I be generous? That can look so different for all of us. He may say, cook a meal for someone, babysit someone's kid, give someone without a home a hot meal and essentials. Buy someone who needs new, a family who needs new shoes. Give your tithe, your offering to your home church or a ministry you feel led to. Give your time, your resources in a creative way. I don't know what it is. There is something beautiful that follows when you choose to give, when you feel it on your heart. It feels amazing to meet someone's needs, to care for others, the way that God feels when he meets our needs. I mean, God rejoices and feels amazing when he sees your need and he meets it. It gives him joy. He's not like, oh, here you go. Like, here's the money you need for groceries. He's like, here, he sees you happy. It brings him joy to provide your needs. And I bet as you begin to take your eyes off yourself and your needs and onto the needs of others, you will see God show up for you. He rewards you. He blesses you for the generosity that you give. There's a Bible verse that says, even when you give a cup of water to someone that your heavenly father rewards you, just a cup of water, how much more anything else. And sometimes people just need a listening ear. It's so much more simple than we think. Generosity cultivates a deeper intimacy with the father's heart. And we're going to end with this verbs, Proverbs 31, 20. And it says, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. It's talking about uh, the Proverbs 31 woman, but how a beautiful virtue, a beautiful um, way to be a godly woman is extending your hand, being generous to those around you. And that truly is the essence of God's heart. And so today, guys, we talked about deeper intimacy with God. We talked about holiness and integrity, our words and our company, and we ended with generosity. And so I truly pray today that God spoke to you somehow in a specific, special way, and that you heard him minister to your heart. I hope you found encouragement today. I'd love to connect with you. You can find me by following Lauren A. Hargrove on Instagram or Facebook. And before you go, can you do me a favor and leave a rating and review for this show? I would greatly appreciate it. And it would help other moms better find the show too. With that, thank you for being a part of our community today. And until next time.